let us take up right where we were. In thinking about God, the judge of all, and the lawyer that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. As the Bible would term him, an intercessor, counselor, advocate, and mediator. Father in heaven, magnify and glorify thy Son through us. In Jesus' name, amen. When you hire a lawyer, or when you obtain a lawyer's services, you want one that knows the judge. And our lawyer is the judge's only begotten son, his well-beloved son in whom he is well-pleased. You might want to see his resume, where he went to school. Was his father a lawyer before him? Well, this lawyer's father is the judge. What does the resume of the Lord Jesus Christ have to say? It tells me that in him are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That's a decent GPA going into court. It says he made the worlds. It says he knows the thoughts and intents of our heart. And all things are naked and open in the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ in Hebrews chapter 4, 12 and 13. He has quite a resume. Our Lord Jesus Christ. Brethren, we finished a few minutes ago in Hebrews 9 and 14 where our lawyer offered himself without spot to God. The Lord Jesus Christ did not offer Himself to sinners. The Lord Jesus Christ offered Himself to God, and God accepted Him. And God was satisfied with His travail that He poured out upon Him. Because God saw of the travail of Jesus Christ's soul and accepted that travail, you have been made accepted in the Beloved. The judge has accepted you because He has accepted His Son. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 6 tells us that. And these should be so familiar to you that you you need not even have me quote them to you or read them to you. But Ephesians 1, 6 says that according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. And the Beloved is our lawyer. The Lord Jesus Christ. You might want a lawyer that's your friend. That has a personal interest in defending you because you are his friend. And so we sang a few minutes ago, O Jesus, the friend of sinners. He is your friend. But he is highly motivated. Not because you're his friend, but because his lifeblood is at stake. If he loses a single soul, his life will have been in vain. His death will have been in vain. He is not going to lose one for the glory of Himself and the glory of His Father and the glorious plan of salvation designed for Him to fulfill. We are accepted in the Beloved. Now let me tell you about the prosecuting attorney. Something has happened to the prosecuting attorney. I am thankful that you and I live on this side of the cross. 
And we, we don't live on Job's side, or Joshua the high priest's side, or Adam and Eve's side. Do you want to know about the prosecuting attorney? The devil himself? Do you want to know about him? Look at Colossians chapter 2. We have to hurry, brethren. We have the Lord's table to get to. It's not a have to. It's a want to and a get to. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. And you, you criminals, and you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. Are there any ordinances you've broken? Was there any handwriting against you with the finger of God? Honor thy father and thy mother. Am I helping you out? Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. The devil thought that he had the Lord Jesus Christ because he had him hanging on the cross. But the Lord Jesus Christ, by hanging on the cross, destroyed the devil that had the power of death against us. And the only way the devil had the power of death against us was because God's law said, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. That's all the devil had. We're not saved from the devil. We're saved from the justice of God. It's just that the devil knows the justice of God. But the devil doesn't know the love of God, except that it's bestowed upon us. But look at what it says there in verse 15. Jesus Christ, our lawyer, spoiled principalities and powers. That's the devil. That's Satan. That's the prosecuting attorney. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in what he did on the cross. I don't want to leave this one yet. Look at Hebrews 2. Hebrews 2 and verse 14. Hebrews 2, 14. For as much then as the criminals, when I change a word, I hope you understand me. Because that's who we're talking about. For as much then as the children, the criminals made children, are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death, he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the prosecuting attorney, the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. There are so many people this morning thumbing rosary beads and buying candles and listening to masses who through fear of death are subject to the bondage of false religion. But we've been delivered from that by the Lord Jesus Christ who took a flesh and blood body to die to deliver us from him that had the power of death. Do you see the Bible print telling you the doctrine of justification and destroying the prosecuting attorney? Look at 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. He that committeth sin is of the devil. That is a man who commits sin habitually without remorse, guilt, or repentance, who continues in a course of sin, who shows no evidence of a seed of regeneration being within him. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, 
that he might destroy the works of the devil. When was Jesus Christ manifested? 2,000 years ago, and he destroyed the works of the devil. Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12, verse 7. Revelation 12, 7, and there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought and his angels. I'm now to 12, 8. And prevailed not. The devil, the dragon, and his angels did not prevail. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world, he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. The prosecuting attorney could accuse Job of having false motives in the book of Job because it's in the Old Testament. But the devil cannot accuse us of anything in heaven. His place is no longer found there because everything has been paid for by the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John chapter 12, If I be lifted up from the earth, now is the judgment of this world, and the prince of this world shall be cast out. You don't have to wonder about the timing of this chapter. When did salvation come? At His first coming. When the devil was cast out. Praise God. Look what it says in Romans 8.33. Do you know these verses? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Can the devil lay something to the charge of God's elect? No. Because the elect have had all their sins paid for, for all time. By the Lord Jesus Christ, our lawyer. The prosecuting attorney is the devil. He had the claim of God's law against you for death. He's been defeated and he's been thrown out of court. You have no case. There was war over it. And the Lord Jesus Christ and Michael the archangel and his angels won. Look at Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. The lawyer has already lived under God's law. And this is part of justification and part of what God wants you to know about His Son. Galatians 4.4, 4, when the fullness of the time was come, that's the first coming of Jesus Christ, God sent forth His Son made of a woman made under the law. Our lawyer has already lived a life under God's complete, total law. The Lord Jesus, look at Luke chapter 2. Oh, brethren, the time flees away from us. Look at Luke chapter 2 and verse 21. I want you to understand that every single precept of the law of God was kept by the Lord Jesus Christ. He fulfilled the law perfectly. In the, when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law. Follow me as I read a few verses And just rejoice at how much of the law was kept by him, even when he was an infant in his mother's arms. Luke 2 and verse 21. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcision sizing of the child, his name was called Jesus, 
which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 17, I am not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law. When he stood in the river Jordan with John the Baptist, and John the Baptist, his cousin, said, You should be baptizing me. Jesus said, Suffer it to be so for now, that we might fulfill all righteousness. No wonder he's called the advocate Jesus Christ the righteous. 1 John 2, 1. He kept the entire law for us, even as an infant. Just want you to know that. When it said he was made into the law, did you see how many times that we just read about the law as Mary and Joseph fulfilled it toward him? Look at Ephesians 2.15. What he's accomplished by going to the cross for us, which we celebrate at his supper, at his table. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 15 what he did with his blood. Ephesians 2.15, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, you have an enemy. Even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity Thereby he came and preached peace to us. Thank you, Lord. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. Our lawyer has had all our crimes expunged and blotted out. They have been expunged from the record. There is no record of them. The God of heaven, the judge of all, the judge of all who has an infinite mind that is incomprehensible, He is omniscient. He is eternal. He is independent. But he has a bad memory when it comes to your sins. Because he said, their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now that's called expunging from the record. Anybody appreciate that in this house? expunged. He can't remember them. Hebrews 10. You afraid to go to him in prayer? You got a problem. He doesn't have a problem. You have a problem. You need to read the word of God, hold up the shield of faith and quench those fiery darts from the devil about your past. Verse 10, i got to get all the way back to verse 10. Hebrews 10.10. 10. 
by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. You've been made perfectly holy. That's what the word sanctified means. Jesus did it for you. Your lawyer did it. Verse 11, And every priest standeth daily, ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, our man, our lawyer, the mighty man, the great man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. The ones that are sanctified are back in verse 10, and they're perfected forever in verse 14. Your record has been blotted out. Your crimes have been expunged from the record. There is no recollection of them in heaven. The judge has said, their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. By the lawyer pleading for us. And so, as we studied last Lord's Day from Romans 8 and 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we have been made the righteousness of God in Him. Jesus kept the law perfectly, and I wanted you to see that He kept the law perfectly even when He was an infant in someone else's arms. Jesus Christ paid for all of our sins by His death on the cross, and in the court of heaven... The bar of justice has said, not only have all our sins been expunged from the record, but we have the righteousness of Jesus Christ applied to our account. All of his perfect obedience to the law of God has been applied to your account. So the Bible would say, righteousness has been imputed to you. Righteousness has been counted to you. Righteousness has been accounted to you. And righteousness has been reckoned to you by God's declaration of the righteousness of His Son on your behalf. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. So perfect is your lawyer's work on your behalf that the judge has not just justified you and declared you righteous, but he's taken a hankering for you. He loves you. Look at Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4. Do you know these words? According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him. What are the last two words of that verse? In love. The judge is not just neutral toward us now. He's not just, okay, you're righteous. He loves us because of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. The holy judge of all loves us because of Jesus Christ's work for us. And do you know what the Bible wants you to know? You can never be separated from His love, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Neither height, nor depth, nor life, nor death, nor anything, nor any other creature can ever separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. How did it happen? The lawyer went for us. Of course it was all by divine plan. You know that. That takes another sermon. I'm not going to get into that. I just want you to know that God loves you because Jesus Christ made you lovable. And God saw that from eternity when he assigned the Lord Jesus Christ to be your lawyer. But it's getting better. Got to keep turning to the right. So fine is the lawyer's work with the judge that not only does he love you, but now that he sees that you have no sins on your record and are perfectly holy, sanctified, and perfected forever, 
and that you look just like his son because you have his son's perfect righteousness draped all over you and around you. And on the law books of heaven, it says, as righteous as your son Jesus Christ, because of that, instead of prosecuting, he wants to adopt you. So the judge in heaven, instead of prosecuting, instead of saying, Bailiff, get that scum out of here. He adopts us. Look at Galatians 4 again. Galatians 4. I'm glad and thankful that you allow me sometimes not to read whole sentences. But you know I'll come back eventually and get it, one way or another. Galatians 4.4 is the part we read. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law. And so we went and saw Jesus under the law, fulfilling it for us. But look at the next verse. To redeem them. That's why He went under the law. To redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. The Lord Jesus Christ was such an attorney, He not only saved us from the just punishment of our sins, He not only got us His righteousness in the law books of heaven, He got us sonship of Almighty God, equal to Himself, so that we are joint heirs together of heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ. Nah. It cannot be. It cannot be. Surely, Jesus Christ gets 95% and the one billion saved elect split the other 5%, surely. Or what does it say in Romans chapter 8? Are you nearby? It's the, the similar words to what we just read. Romans 8.15 For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. You are going to go to court, but there is no reason for you to be afraid because we have not received the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind because we believe these things that are written. Ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And if we need to send, sing ten hymns until you understand that, and I don't mean to operate all together by feelings, we start with faith. But boy, when we sing like you just sang a few minutes ago, it sure helps my faith. And if I'm weak to the rest of you, then so be it. Just make sure you sing when I'm in the box. And sing before I get to the box so I can hear you. Romans 8.15, we've received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry. It's what causes us to call God our Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, verse 17, then heirs. If you're a child of God, then you're an heir. Because he's a rich daddy. He's got something to give to his children. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. If you have any suffering in your life, especially suffering for the gospel's sake, just remember that it puts you in good company. It's proving that you've got an eternal inheritance in heaven. So fine is our lawyer's work that the judge, during the proceedings, chooses to adopt the criminal and make him his son and give him an inheritance equal to the lawyer who is his only begotten son and his well-beloved son. So fine is the lawyer's work that the judge has rewritten his last will and testament with you as a joint heir of his only begotten and well-beloved son. If you want to take this little outline and run with it, then go run with it. 
You know what you ought to do this week? You need a field trip to a cemetery and you need to sit down with your spouse or your children and talk about Jesus being our lawyer. I read in Revelation chapter 5 that the Apostle John had heaven open to him and he looked into heaven and he saw God the judge sitting on his throne holding a book sealed with seven seals on the front side and the back side it was covered over with writing. It's filled with our names and all the benefits of eternal salvation. It is the book of the everlasting covenant. It includes the book of life. It was everything in the hand of God. And John wept because there was no man able to open the book of the, in the hand of him that sat on the throne. Until the Lord Jesus Christ arrived by ascending out of this world after his resurrection from the dead, arrived in heaven looking like a lamb slain, called the Lion of the tribe of Judah, he went up to God on his throne and took the book out of his hands and began ripping the seals off of that book that the judgment of our enemies, because in that book are all the blessings of the everlasting covenant. And how do you, you say to me, how do you know that? How do I know that? The three choirs of heaven burst into singing all at once in the second half of that chapter, singing about salvation. Just go read it. Where do you think worthy is the Lamb that was slain comes from? It's Revelation chapter 5. That book contains all the blessings. Why do you think John wept? If somebody couldn't open that book and get the seals off it, John wasn't going to get the inheritance. John wept. They said, don't worry. The lion of the tribe of Judah hath prevailed. Who did he prevail over? All his enemies, earthly, natural, and spiritual, to come and take the book out of the hand of him that sat in the throne. No wonder it's called the Lamb's Book of Life. Because it was the Lamb slain that took it out of his father's hand and sealed all those that were in it with his own blood. Look at Hebrews chapter 9. Where is your lawyer right now? He's gone to heaven. Has he forgotten about you? Hebrews chapter 9, verse 24. For Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ, our lawyer, our intercessor, counselor, advocate, mediator, for Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands. He didn't enter into the temple in Jerusalem or anything Moses or Herod made, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Do lawyers appear in court? Amen. Where is he appearing? He's appearing in heaven. Why? For you. So, isn't that what it says? Amen. Into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. The great God of heaven, in heaven, has my lawyer in front of him all the time to appear there for me. I'm pretty safe. I will arise and go to Jesus. He will embrace me in his arms. Oh, in the arms of my Savior there's 10,000 charms. Him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. What's his assignment while he's there? He's on a retainer. For those of you that ever worked in the corporate world, companies companies get lawyers on retainers so that they're always available. So that when you have need of a lawyer, you don't hear some secretary telling you he's booked. So God put him on a retainer. <laughs> Listen, he, he isn't working in heaven except for you. 
and for the glory of God. Do you understand that? When you call on him, he's not busy. He's not going to be busy in that day when you die. He's not going to be busy in the great day of judgment. He is fully aware of your existence right now. He is fully aware that he needs to get you through the curtain of death. And he's fully aware that he needs to get you through the great judgment of that great day. He's on a retainer by God Almighty who has assigned him that job. And has rewarded him amply for the retainer fee. How has he rewarded him? With everything. He sits at God's right hand. He's waiting for angels and principalities and powers and death, the last enemy, to be put under his feet. Right. You can go read about that in several places in the New Testament. I need to scurry on. Second Peter chapter 3. Yes, I like that point. Second Peter. First Peter chapter 3, excuse me. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. Being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. What did he die for? And what does he live for? In 1 Peter 3.18. To bring us to God. There is a man in heaven that is going to get you to God. And not get you just to God to be thrown into hell. To get you to God to spend eternal life with him. 1 Peter 3.18. Do you think there's a few more like this in the Bible? You bet there are. But the ones I want to go to right now point out to you. That Jesus Christ has this as his perpetual job. And for those of you young men, if you feel that I'm stepping on what you're going to do next Sunday, we can never hear it too much. Romans chapter 5, please don't be angry with me. Maybe I got too excited reading what you get to do next Sunday. And so I stepped on some of your territory. Just forgive me out of mercy and grace. Look at Romans chapter 5. I remember as a late teenage boy realizing... In reading the Scriptures, by the blessing of the Spirit of God, that there was something that the Apostle Paul said was greater than Jesus Christ's death. Three times. Romans 5.10 For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more, being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Your lawyer's life is committed to a perpetual retainer to make sure he gets you to God without the loss of one. Praise his glorious name. 8.34. Romans 8.34. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, that means much more. Yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Do you like that? Do you have a highlighter? Do you underline in your Bible? Get much more. Get yea rather. Then we go to Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25. Hebrews 7.25 Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost. Now how much of you is he going to lose? How long of a time period is he going to lose you? If he saves you to the uttermost. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. The the argument here in Hebrews chapter 7 is, the priests under Moses were pitiful because they kept dying. Just when you got to know a priest after 10 or 20 years, and all of your sins where you could go and say, I don't want to say that. Levite or priest of Aaron, 
I've sinned again in such and such an area. And he'd know that because he already knew I was a sinner. And then he dies and you've got to get some guy who's never sinned in that area maybe. And so Hebrews 7 is arguing that priests that die are pretty worthless. But Jesus ever liveth. To do what? To be on a retainer from God to make sure that he saves you. So sure is this salvation, the Apostle Paul says, I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able. Not that I'm able. And not even that Paul was able. But I am persuaded that he is able. To keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I've committed my soul to the Lord Jesus Christ to keep in this world and in the world to come. And I'm persuaded that he's able. That in that day that's coming, he's going to keep my soul. Nothing is going to happen to me. Believest thou this? He'll not lose a single one. Jesus Christ, the lawyer, is going to say, Behold, I and the children which thou hast given me. Not I and most of the children. I and some of the children. I and a few of the children. I and the children which thou hast given me. Hebrews 2.13 The Arminian scheme of salvation is double jeopardy. Our just God would never do such a thing. The Arminian scheme of salvation is taught across this city and across this country in 99% of all pulpits. says that your lawyer suffered the full penalty of the law of God for all the sins of all men. Yet the vast majority of men must suffer the full penalty of the law all over again themselves. Even our nation understands that double jeopardy is not justice. We know that everyone Jesus Christ died for has no sins left of their own. And yet when we look at those in hell, in Revelation 21.8 and 21.27, it says that they are whoremongers, adulterers, idolaters, sorcerers, and all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire. Well now how can God send a liar to hell when Jesus Christ has already paid for every one of those lies? That's double jeopardy. Forget it. It's heresy, and it's a lie. Jesus Christ paid for every lie for every one of his elect, and they will all be in heaven because he said so. Our lawyer has said, no man can come unto the Father but by me. That's That's a confident lawyer. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Forget Mary. Forget Pope Benedict or his better predecessor, as the world says. John Paul. Forget them all. You have the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the apostle and the high priest of our profession. Your lawyer said, not only that no man can go to the Father except by him, but our lawyer said, no man can come to me, the lawyer, except the Father which hath sent me, draw him. In John chapter 6, verses 44 and 65. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. But no man can come to me, except the Father which hath sent me draw him. Well, how do I come to Christ? John six twenty-eight and 29. This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. That's how you come to Christ. John chapter 6 
and verse 40. How do you come to Christ? Believe on Him. John chapter 6 and verse 40. This is the will of Him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son, I have shown you the Son this day, and believeth on Him, may have everlasting life. And I will raise Him up at the last day. That's how you can know that you were given to the Son by the Father before the foundation of the world by seeing the Son and believing on Him. John 6.40 I've already read, quoted to you, 28 and 29, when the Jews said to Jesus, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on Him whom He hath sent. Do you believe that Jesus of Nazareth is the Son of God and the lawyer, counselor, advocate, mediator, and intercessor for the salvation of God's elect? And even for you, if you'll believe on Him, then believe on Him. Run to Him. I will arise and go to Jesus. He will embrace me in His arms. He says, This is the will of Him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on Him may have everlasting life. John 6.40 Look at verse 47. I'm staying in John 6 because this is the chapter that says, Him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. It's the one that says, no man can come, except the Father which hath sent me draw him. But look at 47. Verily, that means this is a true statement that's about to follow. Verily, that means this is a true statement that's about to follow. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. Look at verse 68. At 67, Jesus said to the twelve, will ye also go away? Simon Peter answered him, Lord... To whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that Thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. Do you believe that Jesus of Nazareth is the Son of God and the Savior of sinners? Then run to Him and believe the record that God has given of His Son and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. He is your Savior. It's the evidence of eternal life. And I need not apologize for any use of words when I'm quoting from the Word of God. You're supposed to understand this and you had better believe. If you don't believe the record that God's given of His Son, He's going to come in flaming fire with the Lord Jesus Christ and His mighty angels in wrecking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul would say, because of these things, that whether in life or in death, whether here or absent... Whatever we do, we do it that we may be accepted of Him. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 9. The Apostle Paul would say in Philippians chapter 3, I count all things for loss that I might know Him and the power of His sufferings and the resurrection power of His life that I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Paul was not doubting his salvation. He was just giving himself to prove his salvation. And you should be proving your salvation. The Bible says... That if you'll add to your faith virtue, and to your virtue knowledge, and to knowledge patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness temperance, and brotherly kindness and charity. If you do these things, ye shall never fall, but an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You want to know that Jesus Christ is your lawyer? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Be baptized in the name and in the symbology of the Lord Jesus Christ, burial and resurrection, add to your faith virtue and the other things that I listed from Second Peter chapter 1. And if you do these things, ye shall never fall. 
but an entrance shall be ministered unto you. I want to repeat it. Please forgive me. An entrance shall be ministered unto you. You just going to be a squeaker and just get through the door? An entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You say, I wish this all was in writing. It is, twice. It's in a book in heaven called the Book of Life. And it's in the Bible that you have in your laps. I will arise and go to Jesus. He will embrace me in his arms. This supper right here is to celebrate the death of our lawyer who gave himself to be the most highly motivated lawyer in the universe for the glory of God and the salvation of our souls. God saw the travail of his soul and was satisfied. And we are accepted in the beloved. And Jesus Christ did such a work of legal representation for us that he's chosen to adopt us. We are the sons of God. He has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. That's verse 6 from Galatians chapter 4. I still didn't finish the sentence, but now I have. May God bless the preaching of his word. Amen. I'm excited to sing and come to the Lord's table. I hope you are. Right.